Good morning. I would like to thank our Lord for this good life that He has given to each one of us. And I believe that today I am, however little I may be, I am who I am because of my Lord and my Savior. And I will tell you the testimony of His faithfulness in my life. But before that, I would like to bring greetings to each and every one of you from my country, Bhutan. I would like to thank this special church and the Words of Hope for the wonderful ministry that you have started in Bhutan. And I believe that according to Philippians 1, 6, it is the Lord who started this good work and he will accomplish it. Uh, I'm married to a very beautiful lady from Northeast India, Nagaland, and this quote comes from her tribe. If I wear my traditional outfit, perhaps you will think that I'm wearing maybe a swimming suit or, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm truly blessed to, you know, be married to her. We are blessed with three children, age 13, 11, and 8. Now we are living very close to Bhutan, but in India, only seven kilometers away. And we are serving the Lord from there. We are able to cross the border every day and people come down also for trade purpose. India and Bhutan has open borders. I want to encourage you by saying that the Lord is at work. People are coming to Christ. And according to the Global Christianities Report, in the span of 10 years from 2005 to 2015, Bhutan was the second fastest growing church in the world. Um, I am very, very privileged to be serving him. And if, when I start to share my testimony, I think you will realize how real Jesus is to me. I'm born and brought up in a Buddhist family. My parents and my relatives were all very devout Buddhist. And my house is very close to the Buddhist monastery. And in that area, you know, we don't even rear pigs because in uh, Buddhist faith, we don't kill anything. But the nearest school was about 12 kilometers away from my village. I come from a very small village. Those days, there was no road, no electricity, and no school. And my father put me in a school that was about 10, 12 kilometers away from my house. And walking on a very slippery road, not properly paved road, was not easy. So he put me in a hostel. And those days, I don't know what you call here in the United States, and excuse me if uh, I'm not able to speak clearly because English is my third or fourth language. Uh, but in India, 
In Bhutan, we call it ragging. So the senior students and teachers those days, you know, they literally abused us, tortured us, and they could do anything. And I couldn't stand, so I would bunk from the school without the permission, go to my home, and tell the story to father and my mom, and especially my father, he was a very loving father, but he was also a very strict father. And he told me that no education is so important. He would bring me back to the school. Again in the school, I will be there for just a few days. They would torture me. And I will tell you a few things that they used to do. They will roll the paper in the form of cigarette, soak it in the kerosene oil, and when you are sleeping, they will fix in between your lips and set fire. At times, they will suck the kerosene oil in their mouth, lead a candle, and blow against your face. And among the small kids, they will also let us to hit at one another. If I'm the first person to strike, I would slowly, I will hit slowly because the harder I strike and hit, all the more harder I will get back. But our teacher or senior student will say, you don't know how to hit, let me teach you. And they will strike you in such a way that their fingerprint stays on your cheek for sometimes even a week. So I would go home again with all the burns and bruises. Father would tell me, no, I know, I understand, I feel for you, but you are not only the child. There must be others also who are going through the same thing. And there were also, of course, others, not everyone. Some of them had older brothers who were senior students, but I didn't have. So finally, you know, father also started to use stick. Then I started to bunk and leave, you know, I left my home. So in class two, I fell twice because I never studied. At the age of 15, I became a dropout. I formed my own gang and I started to fight, beat other kids, and I put my parents and gave them lots of trouble. Uh, Finally, my father gave up on me and he told me, son, since you have become so disobedient, you never listen, now you may go your own way. You go wherever you want to go. So mother started to cry and I said, okay. I left home and at the age of 17, you know, by then, I used, before as a child, I used to have a dream and I used to tell whenever I was asked, what you would like to become as you grow big. And I wanted to become, you know, a very influential government official. That was a childish dream. But soon my dream got changed and I wanted to actually kill those people who tortured me, including one of my teachers. But I have seen what the evil forces can do. I have seen with my own eyes what the sorcerers can do. And the person who was on my top list, his father happened to be the greatest sorcerer of that time in Bhutan. I almost attempted actually a murder. Then I knew that his father would spell against me and I would be helpless. So I was afraid. But at the age of 17, I came across the gospel for the first time. And this person never opened the Bible. He told me the creation story. 
And that was very fascinating. Because as a child, my uncle was a Buddhist monk, Buddhist priest, and he used to tell us stories of how Buddha created the world. We have legends. But in the school, I learned that Buddha was a prince. He was born in Nepal, close to India. He left his palace and all the luxury in search of truth. He became a monk instead. So I, I used to ask caution, okay, Buddha is not our creator. He is also a created being, and he also has parents too. So who could be the creator of this Buddha and his parents used to be my question as a child. And when I heard this creation story, you know, that really, really fascinated me. And he told me the fall, and then, you know, how God called Abraham and the Moses, and he connected and brought the story to Jesus. But one day, yes, I was definitely attracted to this story. But one day, I don't remember exactly whether he was talking about the supremacy of Christ or the security of believer. He said something like this. If one believes in Christ, he is saved. Nobody can snatch that person from the hands of God. Nothing can harm him. Not even the poison. And not even the sorcerers, even if they cast spell against, he is protected. So that time, in my heart, I thought, okay, I should become Christian. I'll become Christian, then I will kill that enemy. Because even if he <laughs> casts spell against me, I would be protected by God. So this person doesn't know anything what was going in me. So I told him, when are you going to baptize me? He was very happy and he said, oh, you are ready. But he didn't know what was going within me. So he told me that if you are ready, I will baptize you next week. So the following week I got baptized because I thought after baptism, God would protect you. If you are not baptized, God will not. But I had a very simple faith. I didn't know how many books are there in the Bible. All I knew was these Bible stories. But God knew me. And again, I don't remember whether there is the following Sunday or a few Sundays or, you know, during the Bible study time. The message was about loving your enemy, praying for them, bless those who curse you. It was very difficult for me. I could clearly hear two different voices in me. One voice telling me, you must forgive. But I could also hear another voice telling me, no, they deserve, you think what they have done to you, and you also think of what they are doing to so many other kids. Somebody got to teach them a lesson. So I was struggling with this hatred and bitterness and anger, and um, it went on for more than a year. But in the meantime, very amazingly, God used me while I was preaching my new faith. I just told the stories that I heard. And about 28, 29 of them 
became believers. But it's amazing how God was using me, even though, you know, I was very unforgiving. I still had that anger and bitterness. When I look back, I know that it was God who was at work. And then, finally, by the grace of God, after, you know, over one year only, I could really, really forgive them. But those days, Christianity was very strange. People, they have not heard, even now there are so many people who have not heard the name of Christ, but they, everybody used to look down at us. I was tortured. First, I was warned not to preach the gospel. Then later, I was arrested and tortured very severely. I was put in jail three times, 1996, the first time. 1997, I was again caught and put in jail for seven months. That time, they didn't torture me. In 2000, again, I was caught and put in jail, and I was there for 23 days. You know, the third time when I was caught, a brother of mine was traveling with me, and he saw in his dream, and he told me early in the morning, brother, I think you got to be careful. In my dream, police came and caught you. I told him, nothing will happen, don't worry. Because I used to get nightmare almost every night because I was tortured very, very severely when I was arrested the first time. So I thought that dream is something like that. But that morning, I was caught again. And I used to tell, you know, uh, sometimes I feel I'm, I, I was, I, I'm still like Peter, who is overconfident, impulsive, uh, you know, so much of pride. I used to tell, Lord, I think I, I can suffer for you. You know, I'm ready for you. But when I was arrested for the third time, I couldn't help, but I became very nagging. I complained, I grumbled. But however, I could sneak the smallest pocket Bible, which was printed by Gideon's International, with Psalms and Proverbs. And in the jail, you know, I started, I, I decided that I would fast, I will not eat anything. I, will, I would not even drink. And I started to read Psalms. Ever since, Psalms is my favorite book in the Bible. The Lord really, really encouraged me, changed my heart. I confessed and I said, Lord, please, would you forgive me? Then I remember, you know, how Peter was. Peter said, Lord, how can I deny you? I'm ready to go with you, to be arrested, even die. But when the real test happens, he denied I found myself in the same situation. But the Lord is so good. I could see his love and his touch. I was so encouraged. But it was very clear to me from the very beginning, even though I have not understood the Bible and the theology that God, had, God has called me to preach the gospel. And I'm so privileged now, you know, to be working and serving the Lord with the words of hope. And we are preaching the gospel by using all means. We are preaching. We have started to, the, to do the YouTube program also. And our 
prayer and our desire and our vision is to create an opportunity for every single Buddhist to have the opportunity to hear the gospel by 2035. And therefore, especially this Romans chapter 10 verses 13 to 17 is something that drives me. Something that is very close to my heart. And today I would like to share a little bit from this passage. I feel very incompetent. I'm not here to teach, but I really believe that the Lord will speak to each one of us. And I would like to read this passage for us, first of all. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about someone? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can, they, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I would like to actually stress more on verses 15 and 17. World Health Organization, according to its report, says that there are about 800,000 people who commit suicide every year, globally. And our friends from South India, they were also talking about the suicide that took place in their place. If 800,000 people kill themselves by committing suicide every year globally, which means every eight seconds, one person is killing himself or herself. People have no hope today. And I believe Jesus is the only hope. When I first became Christian, he was my savior. I think most people, when they come to Christ first, Jesus is a beautiful savior. Our prayer reflects because we always ask him to save us, protect us, provide for us. He is our problem fixer. At times, we even think of Jesus as somebody, you know, who will take care of all your problem. You just don't need to do anything. Just keep praying. But, by the grace of God, I'm growing now. And I have come to the point now where I say, Lord, yes, you are my Lord. You are not only my Savior. To make Jesus our Savior is fairly easy because he fixes our problem. He's like a Santa Claus, brings gifts. And we think, you know, that he will fulfill all our desires. But Christianity is not about us. It is about him. All religion is about us. 
and we feel good and we feel proud because we believe that we have worked hard to earn it. But by the grace of God, Christianity is God's initiative. Our discipleship is his initiative. Our growth is his initiative. And by the grace of God, and because you know, of his initiation, I believe that I am able to see Jesus, not only as my savior, even though that's very much true even today, but he is my Lord. What does it imply? Faith not only comes by hearing the message, the word of God, faith is also deepened and strengthened by hearing the word of God. And we must keep hearing the word of God in order to grow and strengthen in our faith. And God wants us to grow to the point where we accept Jesus, not merely as our savior, but we are able to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm here to do your will. I'm here to surrender. I don't want to be the in charge of my own life. I've done it. When things didn't go my way, I used to get frustrated. You know, in India, in Bhutan, especially in India, the traffic is horrible. We don't follow traffic rules. And those of you who have been to India must have witnessed that. And especially in our area, I sometimes used to you know, get very upset and angry by the way how, how people drive. And sometimes, you know, I would literally talk to them by raising my voice. And the Lord was dealing with my heart. I knew that was not right. But I wanted to be in control. And my joy and my happiness was not based on who Christ is and what Christ has done for me and what he has for me. It was based on what I do and how things work for me. And the Lord actually spoke to me and I had to choose to obey, but it didn't work overnight automatically. I could see by the grace of God that I was improving, but one day I almost spoke, but I didn't. Yet you know what happened? I gave a very different, unnatural look. And I really felt the Lord telling me, no. Yes, you kept short, but your heart is still the same. To make Jesus our Lord is not easy. It will not, with, it will not work with our own effort. We got to trust him and we need to somehow, you know, surrender and we need to ask strength from him. But ever since I was able to give the lordship to Jesus, I'm telling you, I have joy which I have never experienced before. Now I have no worries, honestly. I became more flexible. I became more adjustable. And when we were praying, as to whether I should start to preach on a YouTube. My wife was not comfortable because she knew that I was already arrested for three times. And we have three children. 
And some of our friends, they also told me, no, 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 you have lots of responsibility in ministry. If anything happens to you, it will also hamper the ministry. One time, you know, that, that made me to feel that I'm important. But the Lord again humbled me. No, it is not you. And I had to pray and finally, you know, I really felt that I must talk to my wife and children and we had a conversation and I told them that I'm going with a YouTube program. And in Bhutan so far, nobody has done YouTube program. So we had a very heavy uh, evening devotion. But I, I told them, I feel safe. Maybe only about 10% I feel like perhaps they may arrest me. But I don't see any reason why they should arrest me. Things are changing in Bhutan. And this 10 person, I, you know, I may make a road accident. You know, anything happened in our life, 10 person is not in our hand anyway. We just need to trust God. So we all prayed and we started by the grace of God. So far everything is going good. But I'm praying that Lord help me because there was a time even I used to tell my testimony of God's faithfulness, sometimes in a self-glorifying manner. And the word of God here says, the faith comes by hearing the message, the word of God. But I believe not only faith comes by hearing, but faith is also deepened and strengthened by hearing the word of God. And we must give importance to the word of God. We must study the word of God. We must find ways and means to study the word of God at home in a way our children would enjoy. If we do the Bible study with our children the way, you know, the adults do, they will not enjoy. We must choose to sing the songs that they enjoy and they like. And in the church that I pastor, 70% of the people are all teenagers. I really believe that our children are our future. I know very little about America. America was founded by godly men and women. They wanted this nation to be a city that was built on the hills. And America did become, even though I think slowly it's going down. I think it's so important that we teach our children, we teach our young people the word of God. And they should not just hear and know about Jesus. They must know him personally. In Bhutan, sometimes I tell, ask people, how many of you know our king? And all of them will raise their head. But when you ask questions as to, you know, okay, what is his favorite food? What does he do for, have fun, you know, for having fun or what is his hobby? They don't know. They don't have personal relationship with our king. They have heard so much about him, 
from many people. They see him on television. They met him a couple of times, but they do not know him individually and personally. I think many people in America definitely have heard about Christ, I'm sure. But that is not enough. We must teach the word of God. And especially, I just, you know, in the next few minutes, I would like to stress a little bit on verse 15. 14 and 15, you know, has five hows. How can people call? How can people believe? How can people hear? How can people preach? And how beautiful are the feet? Especially the fourth and fifth how in verse 15. How can they hear? And Paul answers by saying, somebody got to be sent. And that is great commission. And Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave the great commission and he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And I believe great commission is both quantity and quality. Go and make disciples of all nations is quantity. Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you is quality. And there's a promise that he will always be with us. Because he is with us, definitely we can do. And we must go after quantity also. We cannot be content when our benches are full. Because this is the mandate, this is the command. But at the same time, I think it's very important that we make proper disciples. We keep teaching the word of God so that we go to the next level where we can accept Jesus as our Lord. And then, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? When we talk about, of a beautiful feet, often we think of a nice and clean feet. Washed, well tanned. But the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And those feet are not as clean, as beautiful, as good looking. Many times, they have wrinkles, they have marks and dirt, they have wounds from long walk. And those days, preachers depended mostly on their feet to take. And even though, yes, they have to use their mouth to preach the gospel, Bible says, how beautiful are the feet. Today, we have so many other ways it means. And prior to my relationship to the words of hope, I used to have, I used to be a little bit negative towards social media and internet, and I was not a great fan. But I went for a training, and they changed my perception and understanding. 
And the trainer was saying, the enemy is already using it. And we will be behind because this is such a powerful and very effective tool to reach to the masses. Media has, you know, no limit and no boundary. And I realized, yes, we must make the full use of it. Therefore, I think it is, it is very important that I think we prayerfully consider, and I am thankful that I am a part of Words of Hope. There was a time, you know, I could preach to few, but now, you know, I am preaching to the masses. And if we work on a good content, if we prayerfully prepare a message, I really believe that these messages will not only bless the people who are today, but also will be a blessing to the people in the coming decades, for the coming generation. And Bhutan is such a tiny country. We have a handful of population. You know, it is a sandwich between two great Asian giants, India and China. And most Americans that I have talked to had no idea about Bhutan. But I am glad that your church, this church has been supporting and praying for Bhutan. And if Bhutan is growing, especially, you know, uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it is because of your prayers. And I really, really would like to thank each and every one of you once again for praying and for partnering with us. Um, in, in, you know, closing, I just want to say this. Even in this city, I'm sure there are many who are lost. We don't have to go all the time very far. Sometimes we think of Great Commission as, you know, beyond the oceans, beyond the mountains, across the nations. And this Great Commission, the responsibility to witness, is not given only to pastors and evangelists and missionaries. Each and every one of us who believes that there is no other name there's only one name, and that name is given to Jesus. We must bring the message and the gospel to them. And faith comes by hearing. I heard the gospel and I believed. People hear the gospel and they believe. And sometimes, you may be preaching, witnessing. I have come across people who used to say, oh, your gospel should be your life. Yes, there are places, there are situations where your, gospel, your life should be your gospel. But gospel is both living and preaching. My good living cannot be the substitute for preaching, and preaching cannot be the substitute for my good living. It has to be both. We can do that only if we, if we make Jesus our Lord. And I really believe that you are already, I, I heard that there are lots of, you know, still godly Christians in this city. And I praise God. 
But I believe we still have people around us, among us, who still do not know. Maybe they have heard. Maybe they know about Jesus, about Bible, but they don't have this personal relationship. You can be that instrument. You can be that blessing. A person who led me to Christ, he has gone to be with the Lord many years back. He never saw what the Lord is doing through me in my life. And he wouldn't have imagined because in Bhutan those days, they couldn't imagine. But you never know what one man can do. Everything's possible with God. Maybe you are preaching to somebody, perhaps, you know, that person is very ordinary, very simple. I am a village boy. You know, I haven't even passed high school properly. I became a dropout. English is my fourth language. But today I'm here because of God. Today many people are blessed because of God. And you never know the person that you lead to Christ may become a great, great blessing in this city. So let us keep hearing the word of God and let us ensure that people have the opportunity to hear the word of God. Thank you. So in closing, maybe can I just say a small word of prayer for the word? Yeah? Lord, we come to you and we thank you for the word that has come to us this morning. Lord, help us to be in your will. Help us so that we will keep hearing you. And we will also make sure that everybody gets to hear your message. Help us, Lord, so that we will completely surrender to your will. May we all know that your yoke is lighter than the yoke that we are carrying of our own. And there's a rest in you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you're going to do and accomplish. Because you are God and you are faithful. You are evil. And you will not only exceed our expectation, but even, even our imagination for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen.